pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Hannah's song from the book of 1 Samuel is one of the scriptures for today in our lectionary calendar of assigned scripture readings. It's probably not coincidence that Hannah's song of joy over her pregnancy shows up in the lectionary just as we are starting to think about Advent and Christmas. Mary's song is not in the lectionary today, but I couldn't resist pairing it with Hannah's song. The two songs are striking in their similarities. For our scripture reading today, we had two psalms. We didn't have any readings from the book of Psalms, but the passages of scripture we heard are psalms. A psalm is a lyrical poem and prayer. There are psalms scattered all through the scriptures, Old Testament and New. We know we've stumbled upon a psalm when we find a passage that is poetry rather than prose, that could be sung as a song, that expresses a prayer which could be used for individual or communal worship. Our two psalms today are both songs sung by pregnant women, or at least Hannah is about to be pregnant. We use the word pregnant in multiple ways, metaphorical as well as literal. We might speak of a pregnant pause. Besides its literal meaning, pregnant also means weighty or significant, full of meaning, as in the pregnant pause. The words we hear from two pregnant women this morning are certainly that, weighty, significant, full of meaning. There are so many ties between Hannah and Mary. One tie taps into the grand picture of salvation history that spans the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian New Testament. Hannah is the mother of Samuel, the prophet who is called to designate God's chosen king. Samuel anoints David as that king, and not only as king, but as the beginning of an eternal kingship for God's people, for Israel. Christians understand Jesus to be a descendant from David's line and the fulfillment of the promise to David that was made in 2 Samuel, the promise of this eternal kingdom of God's people. Mary's song then reflects this understanding. So Hannah is the mother of a prophet of David, and Mary is the mother of the one who fulfilled the prophecies of the line of David. The connections continue. Mary and Hannah will both go on to present their sons in the temple. Both Hannah and Mary are devout Jewish women who express their faith and joy and hope using a form and style that would have been ingrained in them from their experience worshiping in their Jewish communities. Both Mary and Hannah come from situations of hardship. Hannah has spent years longing for a child years being unable to conceive, and years being on the receiving end of harassment and scorn from her husband's other wife. Mary is young, unmarried, and poor, and doesn't know how she got pregnant or what's going to happen because of it. They both receive good news, Hannah, that she will conceive, and Mary, that her pregnancy is part of God's plan, and she can fear not. The words both Hannah and Mary use 
in response to the good news they receive, express their astonishment and delight at receiving this attention from God. Hannah sings, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. Mary sings, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of God's servant. Mary and Hannah's songs are both celebrations of the fact that God works in the midst of sorrow, suffering, and human weakness, not only for them as individuals, but also for their communities, and really for all God's peoples. Hannah sings, The boughs of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. Hannah also sings, God raises up the poor from the dust, lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. Mary sings, God's mercy is for those who fear God from generation to generation. God has shown the strength of God's arm and has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly, has filled the hungry with good things, and sent the rich away empty. One theme that has marked my own journey of faith is this experience of God entering in to times of pain or sorrow or despair. In some ways, it's an unfortunate dynamic. I know in my head, most of the time, that God is sovereign of all things at all times. If God is sovereign, then I need to hold my own will rather lightly, rather than grasping it too insistently. I need to keep a light hold on my sense of being in control and my sense of self-determination. If I keep too tight a grip on these things, then it requires a wrestling match for God to remind me to let God direct me. I've had some of those wrestling matches. Maybe you have. I know on some level that I need to hold control only loosely. But in my habitual way of living, it's a different story. My habit is to try to assert my will, to try to shape things or fix things through my own efforts, and to stay in control of my life. How this plays out, then, is that sometimes it takes finding myself at a particularly low point before I fully turn to God. The good news is that the experience of leaning on God when all else fails is a powerful way to discover God's loving presence. God's faithful response. The bad news is that I don't feel this bolstering as often as I could, as I, as I would if I relied on God more fully, more often, without having to be laid low first. I think we all need to hear, but more than that, to feel, that God comes to us particularly when we are low. This message isn't unique to our two psalms today. It can be found in countless passages of scripture. And this message exposes theological lies that we might hear today. Some will say that only a good life leads to reward. But Hannah's and Mary's stories 
expose that idea as nonsense, reassuring us that God enters in to the messiest of lives. Some will say that prosperity is evidence of God's favor. But Mary's and Hannah's stories reveal that as false, showing us that God's favor falls upon those who know hardship. God is especially concerned with those who grieve, with those who are poor, with those who lack status. Mary and Hannah know this to be true. They know this because they lived it. We trust this to be true. We trust this partly because our scripture tells us so. And we trust this because we see the evidence. We've seen lives where this has been demonstrated, where God seems to show up especially on the side of those who are poor and outcast. God ministers to us when we are down. God blesses us in the midst of sorrow and suffering. Hannah's and Mary's songs are not testaments to human achievement. If anything, they're the opposite of that. They're witnesses to those places where human capability falls short. The statement of faith, then, is that where we find ourselves falling or failing, God remains steadfast. There is so much that is impossible for us, particularly us on our own. But with God, all things are possible, says Mary. Songs of celebration, prayers of praise and worship, whether from Mary or Hannah or anywhere else in our tradition, these songs remind us that wonders have not ceased. Our psalms assert that possibilities we haven't even dreamed of will happen, and that hope is as justified as it is faithful. All this sounds ridiculous, of course, unless one has seen the wonders of God in the past, the mighty overthrown and the oppressed set free, the gift of life in the face of death, transformation in real events of human history. With Mary, let our spirits rejoice in God our Savior, who makes a way out of no way, the possible from the impossible. Amen.